Andy Fenton, happy Friday, mate. How you going? This feels a bit strange. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> Other than the fact that there's this crazy studio that's uh, that's around with no people in it, it's no right. people. It's just you and me. It just you and me. It does feel a bit uh, a bit surreal to be in the flesh with you. I don't know where to look, whether to look at you on the on the camera or look at you in real life. Um, but uh, we're going to give it a shot. Hey, folks. Uh, good to see a few people jumping on. Welcome to a live version of Wealth, Wine and Wisdom on Friday, the 9th of July. Andy escaped um, <laughs> across the border. He climbed the fence no, um, the, the, and, uh, and he's in, in the land of the GC. So uh, it's awesome to have him here in the flesh and um, we can get up close and personal with Andy Fenton. There he is right there. And um, there he is. <laughs> and there I am. Uh, there he am. Um, so good to see you guys, and uh, I think I'm camera two. Yeah, there I am. Hey, hey, hey gang, um, we're going to try and do some live switching here and uh, live producing of the show, and uh, we'll see if we can uh, make it work tonight. So hopefully you guys are all awesome and well. Um, so uh, if you can, give us a bit of a shout-out in the chat. Oh, yeah, there's a few chats going on, which is awesome. Good to see you guys uh, all there. There's Alison popping on by, as always. Good to see you, Alison and James. Uh, Shah, how are you? Um, Alison's been hanging out for this topic. Andy, this is a big topic, <laughs> and uh, it's all, it's all uh, over your heating plate today, mate. We're going to dive into it, folks, um, a bit later on uh, and talk about the world of risk and insurances and what we might need to do about that as property investors, as investors, as business owners. It's a big topic. Huge. Something that uh, I think we, uh, not necessarily avoid, but sort of, you know, don't take seriously enough at the right times. Um, but uh, hopefully we can unlock a bit of that today. Um, we've got a few uh, others there. Michelle, good to see you. James, fantastic to see you as well. And and uh, um, uh, Graham, good to see you too, mate. So um, we are going to have, we are going to dive into questions later on, team. So I'm going to leave that up there, questions. Keep them if, rolling in. Yeah, if you have any, put them in the chat, certainly. Um, we've, got a big, we've got a big topic tonight, which is uh, the risk space. So make sure um, you keep um, typing into the chat uh, any questions in and around um, uh, as we go, oh yeah, someone's someone's on their wine, aren't they? Saint Helen, <laughs> uh, nice, nice, uh, nice spotting, Josh. Uh, tell you guys a funny story. Um, <laughs> uh, well, it is called Wealth, Wine, and Wisdom, and so uh, I had a bottle of wine open from last week, and I said to Andy, "I've only had a glass of this wine, Andy. Let's just drink that." And Andy looked at me like I was I had two heads, <laughs> uh, and I said, "Come on, mate, it's good wine. It'll it'll be fine." And um, uh, a little, <laughs> it wasn't fine. It's uh, it's vinegar, but I don't know. It's, I'm not very good at this stuff. But Josh, well spotted. A friend of ours gave me this. It's a 2011 Shiraz, and so I thought I'd I'd bust it open for such a auspicious occasion, having Andy uh, live. Wealth, wine, and wisdom. So, noting he did try and get away with the vinegar first, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. I swear, if 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 we'd actually started drinking that bottle of wine, we would have needed my life insurance afterwards. I can tell you, like literally, uh, he's got have, have a go. Just go on, have a go. It's a good on, bottle. It's I fine. put my nose in. I just about threw up. Then then he has a little bit of a swig of it. He's like, 
Well, nom, 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 nom. yeah, I, I, I have been, uh, I have been, I have been called um, a cashed up bogan once or twice before, and I think uh, I fit it quite well. So right. there you go. No wonder you've been waking up a bit dusty. <laughs> like, if you're drinking wine like that, you're, you're lucky to be waking up at all. <laughs> uh, well, Josh, you, I think you're going to be our new best friend, Josh. Um, you manage the Qantas wine sales team, so uh, maybe we should connect. We're looking for a new sponsor, Josh, uh, for the Wealth, Wine and Wisdom show. Uh, maybe Qantas could be into that. Let us know, mate. <laughs> and Graham likes a good Shiraz as well, so that's, that's good to hear, Graham. And uh, evening to a few of you guys. Uh, Laura, uh, good to have you. Uh, Kalash, uh, Calvin, good to see you guys as well. So um, um. <laughs> it's good to be up there. Somebody said, welcome to Queensland. It is. I tell you what, it's, it's, I can't remember the last time I took a day off or at least uh, a couple of days. And so today is a day off. So I'm wearing, uh, I'm not wearing black today. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, uh, it's with the kite surfing gear and, and things like that. So uh, uh, first day of relaxation, I reckon, in almost two and a half years ever since COVID hit. It's, uh, it's been a long journey. Mate, it has, yeah. And um, yeah, it's a strange one, the old world of uh, COVID and travel and, and getting around. So Mate, I um, literally booked the ticket uh, yesterday afternoon at about two o'clock to get up here last night mm. because Brisbane's a red zone, which means I have to quarantine for two days when I go back. Uh, this is an orange zone, which means I need to get a COVID test and self-isolate until I get a ne- negative result. And But then, you, because I wanted to go down to New South Wales, so then you've got to check New South Wales laws with Queensland and what they're... And so everybody's heat map is completely different. Yeah, right. You just about need an algorithmic sort of system in order to be able to figure out whether you can actually cross <laughs> a border or not. And I was, I was sitting there, I was trying to figure it out, like, what's going on? How many cases are there? Where? You know, am I allowed back in Victoria? And then I thought, well... Mate, wouldn't be bad being here doing a few episodes with you for a couple of weeks if I wasn't allowed back. So we'll see how it goes. Mate, you're more than welcome. I think we've got plenty of room here in the uh, in the uh, the Whitten compound anyway. So uh, we could find you a place to place to sleep for the weekend. That's for sure. But um, why don't we dive into it and uh, why don't we do a quick, maybe quick round the grounds? What's in the news? Um, and I'll I'll do a little refresher uh, for me, Andy. Uh, I sort of I did a video this morning on this one, and um, the rhetoric. There's a bit of rhetoric creeping in about the regulators coming back in. Oh yeah, yeah. The market's too hot, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's a bunch of bullshit. Uh, I think that's going to fall on deaf ears for the short term. Mm. Certainly, in the next 12, 18 months, two years. Um, the last time the regulators came in, they made an absolute clusterfuck of the whole thing, mm. and the property market drives a huge amount of Australia's economy. And it's only just getting going again. And uh, I would be very surprised to see the government allow that to happen in the short term. What are your thoughts on that sort of thing in, um, you know, the APRA of the world stepping in to try and regulate lending? And fair enough, here's the thing. Here's mm. the, the beat up. I think it's a beat up. It's a bunch of bullshit. You know, oh, we're, we're back at two-year record highs for lending. Yeah, no shit, Dick Tracy, because we were at 10-year record lows two years ago. <laughs> hang on. It's, like, it's a bit like the pot calling the kettle black, isn't it? Well, hang on. You've just, you've just printed a trillion, thousand, a trillion dollars. <laughs> like, well, what's going on what here? What is happening? Don't, don't you borrow. Don't you borrow. But us? Yeah, we can do whatever we we're want. We're fine. the government. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's load up. Yeah. Mate, I... When it comes to policy and lending, I don't know. I, I feel like the politicians are like a you know a ten year old boy. They just can't keep their hands off it. They yeah. can't stop fiddling with it. Yeah. Look, if we just have a look at what happens, so they they brought in uh, responsible lending. Then they said that they were going to repeal 
responsible responsible lending in March. Then they didn't. They haven't done it. Yeah, they, yeah. they thought. Well, no, we will. so they keep. Th- you can just see they just. It's like they just want to be doing something in that space. And while logically it says to me, no, they shouldn't be doing anything. I don't think they will. I think that we do need to be a little bit careful because you just can't trust them. And when, so when I say careful, it's it's good to be able to get people to respond to their members. Yeah. Uh, and when I say members, I mean the dicks in charge of the, the relative <laughs> areas, uh, their councils and things like that, is to, is to get on the blower to these people and start to make a bit of a, a ruckus. And I think that we've actually stopped doing that. Mm. And especially, you know, small to medium business owners, I think that we need to be getting out there to our members and start actually getting in their ear about this stuff. Uh, went to mine more recently and actually got reasonable feedback. And, uh, and I said, you must be getting a lot of this. And he said, no. Nah. Yeah, well, that's an interesting one, isn't it? So, folks, here's a bit of a challenge for all of you guys to support, you know, yourselves and, and other, you know, professionals in this space, either property investors or business owners. We've got to go and shake that tree and rattle the tree and make a bit of noise when it comes to being represented in the, in the marketplace, you know, yep. because at the end of the day, um, the politicians will only respond to those uh, who make noises and say, I'm not going to vote for you unless you do X or Y for me. So, you know, that's an interesting one when it comes to that sort of stuff. It's, a, it's you know, it, it's, a funny, it's a funny old gig, this uh, idea of, you know, um, uh, regulators stomping around like, you know, bulls in a china shop, you know, because, you know, I was saying to the team this morning, you know, when, when the regulators and the APRA overdid it, they, you know, they, 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 they spanked the banks, which they deserved to get in trouble. They were doing the wrong thing in many places, but mm. then it ended up in a, in a witch hunt somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a euphemism of euphemisms, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's not go there, Fenton. This meant to be PG. <laughs> well, at M at least anyway. Well, it's after, it's after five o'clock. It is after five and we're drinking wine. But, you know, uh, you know, the banks were in trouble. They did the wrong thing by a lot of people and they should have uh, accounted for that. Then it ended up as a witch hunt for brokers to lose their trials. Mm. Um, and then it was like, uh, oh, brokers are the ones that aren't responsible when it comes to lending. We need to do reforms. And so it's like, and wh- what happened here? We were, we were looking at the banks and their behaviour and some of the things that they were doing and then it went, you know, somewhere else. And that's what I was saying this morning, you know, put your money where your morals are or your values are, <laughs> you know, you know, because if you say you stand for something, then don't go and give the money to the banks who are breaking the law and charging people fees oh, in your space. You know, it's the easiest way, Jase. It's the easiest, way, <laughs> it's it's the the easiest, easiest way. way. Yeah, that's how. That's the trap, isn't it? In our world, yeah. And what happens is actually taking care of your financial financials and doing the best thing for yourself is actually quite difficult to do, mm. and it's complicated and convoluted and hard and takes time and. Well, the problem with changing policy, though, is even if we go back to, in my world, you know, uh, efficient market hypotheses and efficient market theories and portfolio management, it all comes down to allowing things to take their natural course, which means stop interfering with, you know, the way that things are operating because what naturally will happen is there will be a natural arbitrage. So gaps open, people monopolise those gaps, but then that gap disappears and eventually it will revert, right? It will normalise over yeah. time. Yeah. Now, what happens is when governments come in and try and make policy all of the time where they see things starting to sort of heat up, well, they, they, they miss the end where 
the nature takes care of itself well, and, and rectifies itself yeah. and the natural arbitrage finishes yeah. and then the next train goes. And what they do is they come in, they over-regulate and then they just blow everything up because they create new loopholes in different directions. <laughs> and then we ju- guys like we, we just go, okay, boom, and then yeah. we, it takes us six months to figure it out, probably costs us a, an arm and a leg and uh, and when we survive it, we're now pointing in a different direction and we're going, okay, well, there's the gaping hole that you've left that we found and now we're going to monopolise that. And then they come back five years later and they go, well, you're doing the wrong thing over there. So they don't allow things to take their natural course and reach you know, uh, an equilibrium with yeah. the market. Yeah. Well, mate, what's in the news for you on your side of the tracks? You know, for me, that was probably the most poignant thing at this point this week for me in the news other than, you know, um, Canberra being the most expensive um, place in Australia to rent. Um, it is now the, the most expensive place in Australia to rent over and above Sydney. And, wow. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's going along. Funnily enough, Darwin and, um, <laughs> you know, a couple of the smaller places, their rents have grown uh, over 20% in the last yep. Uh, the last, um, I'll get you the stats. Um, Would you know? Well, let me in ask last, you this one, this because you're the property in the guy. last year. <laughs> who's who's got uh, the lowest rates oh, now oh, in, in the, Australia? The lowest rental rates? Yeah, cities. Um, well, Melbourne. Melbourne's mm. the lowest. Yep, the yep. lowest rents. And we got there. <laughs> Boom. We're the best at something. <laughs> uh, and arguably, Mel- Melbourne's re- yields were always low. They they were never attractive rental yields. Um, for, for 20 years I've been investing, Melbourne's rental yields were always a percent behind Sydney. Mm. They're a percent behind everywhere else. And Melbourne actually had, you know, has um, has had very good capital growth. And um, and I think, you know, often the places that get a bit more capital growth, um, well, you, you look, they outstrip the yields, you know. So you look at greater, uh, you look at greater Melbourne, you know, Abbotsford, East Melbourne. I mean, you, yeah. you're, you've got multi-million dollar townhouses yeah, yeah. that are just, uh, you know, they're ev- absolutely everywhere. Been there for 100 years, yeah. be there for another yeah. 200 to come. Well, arguably, and that's um, it's interesting, you, you you jumped onto that one, folks, um, listening in. to chuck, chuck it in the chat. I know there's a few of the keen property positive team there. You know, what is what would be a benefit right now for us as property investors? And we'd say, all right, well, Melbourne, Melbourne's um, the lowest rental yield um, of Australia's capital cities, what would be um, uh, an opportunity, or what could you guys see right now um, in that sort of space? While Andy and I sort of continue to chat here, because I've got I've got an opinion on this one, and I think it's at number seven um, or at the lowest because it's actually equal with Adelaide, um, but Adelaide's actually gone up. <laughs> and up and went down. <laughs> so there you go, equal with Adelaide. But uh, there's there's an opportunity in there um, for me, and I and Melbourne is artificial is where it's at right now. But um, it's uh, it's look, an interesting one. Or it would be great for Melbourne if it stayed low for a while, mm. because it reminds me of when I first got into finance. Oh God, was it 22 years ago now? And so this is to help the viewers out a little bit, uh, and. I was with Macquarie and our head office at that point in time, we had a head office in Sydney, but most people were working in Brisbane and there was a key reason for that. Yeah. And I think it's what you're alluding to. Yeah. So there's, if it stays low enough for long enough, then it can create some really great opportunities and, uh, and we, we need it. But for, um, for this sort of stuff and Alison um, put it there, skilled migration, right? Yep. Um, and um, uh, that's, it's, 
that's excellent. Um, you know, Nate's saying, you know, it's a capital growth city, not for rental growth. And maybe part of your strategy is if you're going to go, you mix it up, you mix and match. You get a couple of cities for yield and you get a couple of cities for growth. Mm. But, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head, Alison. Um, I like that um, when it comes to a positive for that. It's a, it's a very big functional city. It is going to be the largest city Australia has. And if those rents are a bit lower, it will attract that that uh, job, uh, skilled migration. Ultimately, that I believe that will kick into a rental boom very soon. Yeah, I think we'll get rental growth in Melbourne. It's been compressed because of COVID. It's the city that was has been affected the most of people not travelling from overseas. Melbourne has um, has got the largest university destination population for Australia, uh, and also. We have had the hardest time uh, slash we, not me, you. And no, you're about, so, so, <laughs> he's, he's, trying, he's trying to get on the sympathy train here. It's unbelievable. Sitting, sitting in the Gold Coast going, how's lockdown, buddy? How's lockdown? How's lockdown, mate? Uh, you and your lot. Uh, just, you know, haven't won a trick when it comes to the lockdowns. And no. so that's been, you know, really tough. And, um, you know, we manage over 400 properties in Melbourne and certainly been the most challenging to work mm. with the tenants and the most challenging to work with the, the owners. It's it's almost the reverse of 22 years ago because it, and it, only if it stays low enough for long enough. Yeah. And because if it does, then the reason that that Macquarie's head, uh, HQ was up in Queensland then was because rents were cheap. Yeah. So they could pay less for their employees, get a lot more talent. Uh, and so that would if it stays low enough for long enough and promotes companies to, to re-put their head, head offices down there yeah. and it's a possibility, then then you're looking at that, that real change in dynamics where you, you might end up with some of the big companies actually relocating from Brizzy back down to Melbourne and then so Brisbane's Melbourne, Melbourne's Brisbane and who would have thought? The other way around. Yeah. And, and I reckon what might happen is Melbourne will go aggressively in employment, um, you know, because you know, that might make sense dollars and cents-wise. And there's some big buildings there. There's some good expansion opportunities for existing businesses yep. down there. Um, it's got amazing infrastructure. It's a very livable city. Yep. Um, so um, uh, I heard that Melbourne... Number seven now. Yeah, well, um, it, it, it went down a few ranks, but it ended up um, finding out, uh, putting its hat in the ring for the most... Uh, or, or the so, something, the most livable street in the world or something, and that ended up in, in Collingwood. Uh, it was it was funny anyway, but, uh, you know, Melbourne's always a, a good city to go to and people love being there. So, yeah, so interestingly, uh, number one uh, highest rental yields in Australia, Canberra at 630 average. Wow. Now, um, now that's grown 10% year over year and 5% the last quarter. Um, the biggest growth has been number two, uh, Darwin at... Yeah. Um, at 20% rental growth in the last year, year on year, um, and 7% in the last quarter alone, mm. 7% growth. Um, and then we go um, around to number three, um, which um, uh, uh, Brisbane, uh, 12% and 2%. So, you know, at the end of the day, there's some really nice growth from a, um, um, a rental point of view. Uh, actually, I missed out uh, Perth there. Um, 
Uh, Nobody cares. No one cares. No, they do care about Perth. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> we love we, we love our gang over there. Jeez, I tell you what, your uh, your uh, your minister is a hard ass. I can tell you. <laughs> as soon as anybody gets COVID, he just gets on the television and belts them. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but Perth is number five in the weekly rent, but it was actually number one year on year growth, which was twenty one percent. Um, in the last year, well, now, it got smashed, though. Didn't yeah, and this is the thing, and this is you know, this is what I tell tell everyone all the time. Like, gang, you know, you guys hear me say this all the time. Now, it's the media doing a snapshot. It was number one in growth, you know, for the last year. Well, that's off the back of being punished for ten years. Yeah, but when right. you when you do a search in Google <laughs> for statistics, it just shows you the most recent. Yeah. So these journalists don't seem to be able to get to page two of Google. No. <laughs> I think they're just quoting the most recent statistics. Oh yeah, I tell you. Because yeah. it's always sensational. Whenever you look at an isolated year, it's always sensational. Yeah. You know? You've just got to look at it over time and then everything smooths out. That's it. Well, you know, Nate reckons uh, Melbourne can't be number one forever, Andy. And, you know, the <laughs> dream has come to an end. <laughs> It'll come back. And, right. Sonia, cheers to you. Uh, happy Wealth, Wine and Wisdom Friday. But, mate, um, you know, that's the, that's the stuff in the news over in my neck of the woods. Um, some interesting um, conflicting data, as there always is in the news. You know, one article is positive, one's negative. You know, one's one's up and one's down. But uh, you know, the share market ain't much much different in your neck of the woods in the equities world. Well, yeah, it, it, it's a bubble today because it it was down what sixty nine points. Oh, the bubbles uh, burst. The has bubbles it? burst today. Apparently, <laughs> I literally uh, I was scrolling through, and and I'm just I'm giving up on news. Like I. <laughs> Last on the weekend, I, I only look at it to to, to get articles for Wealth One <laughs> Wisdom. <laughs> uh, so, I haven't been doing my morning routine uh, for a little while. You can probably see I'm a little bit chunky, but um, <laughs> but that's generally where I watch my Bloomberg. But uh, what, I, I started filtering through the Fin Review, and I read it on the weekend. I had my first day where I just grabbed the newspaper, crisp, sat down with a coffee, spent the whole day, then went from the coffee to a tea, and just spent the whole day just digesting bullshit. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and I got to the end of it. I said, I can't do this again. I used to love sitting down and reading the paper and it is just garbage in there. And then I got online and I started scrolling through. And if you scroll through the financial review, which is that was my press, it's literally bubble. Trend is going up. Bubble. <laughs> Market's crashing. Bubble. Like it literally, you're just scrolling like this and it's just contradicts itself within about three scrolls of the page yeah and i think it's got to do with the fact that our attention spans are are, are really short now and they talk about it now not page stopping but they talk about it as thumb stopping so you're scrolling through and whatever catches your eye and stops yeah. you from scrolling yeah you're quick quick on the thumbs and away you go read two words and you're an expert that's it <laughs> and uh you only need the headline then <laughs> yeah, that's it <laughs> Yep, yep, it's booming, it's busting. So, but uh, what's what's in the news? No, recently I've just been following what's uh, happening in, in New South Wales because Melbourne, we were the we were the, the sort of the the poor cousin, and it was only happening to Melbourne. But there's some real. I, I, there's I find the New South Wales one interesting now, and I don't want to scare the New South Welsh men and women out there. And I feel for you. Uh, we know what it's like, so uh, you know, reach out. One thing that you can do is watch Wealth, Wine and Wisdom on a Friday. That, <laughs> that, that tends to help a lot of people. But uh, a big shout-out to everyone in, in, uh, in New South Wales because that's, it's a nightmare going mm. through it and we mm. do feel for you. But that's now the second largest commercial uh, uh, city 
that is going through what I think might be a sustained lockdown. Like there were 42 cases today, 20 of them were out in, uh, in, in the population. Uh, so it wasn't controlled, which means that it could be, they could hit the 100 numbers, which mm. takes them into where Victoria was. Hopefully it's not. They might have just got it in time. Uh, but watching this with, because Frydenberg came straight out, no job keeper. Uh, and fundamentally, I don't believe that that can be the case. They have to bring out some sort of stimulus if they're going to shut down an entire city, especially Sydney, for a month. Like you've got to bring something out. Yeah. Uh, and even legally, then I'm not even sure where the ground st- sits. I remember researching it when Melbourne went through it uh, as to whether they're allowed to do it, and the, probably the, the, they've granted themselves special powers. But watching that with a with a keen eye, because if you shut down that and you've shut down Melbourne for a sustain uh, for a substantial period of time, it's got to have a flow on effect. Mm. It absolutely has to have a flow on effect. To what extent, I don't know yet, yeah, but I'm no. watching it keen. Well, it's interesting. You know, I think about that, folks. You know, you guys um, think about it too in, in the world of real estate. Queensland has been fueled certainly by Southern and, you know, it would be, you know, one in three would be someone from Victoria um, purchasing up here. Yeah. Um, you know, so interesting, I wonder, I wonder, you know, this is the uh, this is the thought of, you know, critical thinking in this sort of space. It's mm. like, you know, if something happens, what else might happen? What, what would the knock-on effect? History is a great mimic is, is one of your lines. I like it. I love it. You know, it doesn't always repeat exactly, but it tends to have some similarities. Yeah. You know, I wonder if that would then, you know, unlock um, Sydney in a way. You know, I was talking to a young fellow one, uh, just the other day. He's, he works for me. You know, he's considering a family home and he's, you know, in his mid-30s, it's two million bucks for something that I remember being able to buy for 400 grand. And not no, so long ago. And no wage inflation? No. It, I mean, there's been no wage inflation for, what, eight years? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So insane stuff in that sort of, you know, and if the, that city comes to a bit of a grind. Which you, you could know. see it do. You could yeah. easily see it do because yeah. now that whole work from work from home dynamic is now, it's expected. Yeah. So that's got to start to change. And, and so yeah. you start to think about this and People get piss-pot tired of these lockdowns and they get really frustrated really quickly and it's tough. Psychologically, it's tough. It's it, if, if I could have picked up my family, it, and logistically, that would have been a nightmare Yeah, because they're all pretty heavy. No, just joking. Mate. <laughs> well, I love you, mate. No, but if I could have picked everybody up and just and moved them to Queensland, I probably would have done it. But yeah. Logistically, it would, was quite difficult. If you could wave a magic wand and then go, yep. But that's I, it. I've had enough. You if, know, if I was uh, if I was the the main breadwinner of the family, my partner didn't have a substantial job, and uh, and maybe one kid, I would have gone. Yeah, yeah. I, I wouldn't have been around. Yeah. And uh, so that part of the population is quite significant. And even in my circles now, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of my mates who are Sydney for life, and like my Sydney siders don't talk about coming to Brisbane. Right? No, they, they, they just don't. don't. <laughs> right? There's no there's no blue jumpers in the maroon sea. Right? Because because ultimately what ends up happening, if you're a Sydney sider, you come up to Brisbane, they go, well, if, if your team's so bloody good, what are you doing up in Queensland? <laughs> but there's a lot of people starting to think about that and we're only in, what, week two of the lockdown. Yeah. So I'm watching it with interest from uh, from a fiscal perspective, from a monetary policy perspective, from a government, uh, from a migration perspective. Like, yeah. If this is big, it's going to have significant uh, push on effects. Yeah. And remember... In Sydney, they're used to paying $2 million for a, yeah. a, a, for a tiny little place. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you come up to Brisbane, you start poking your head around, you go, Jesus, I can have $2 million and I can be on a canal? Wow, and you 
I mean, it's actually 1.5 and you're on the canal and you got 500 in change. No, no, it's 2 million. Because <laughs> when they come up here, it's gone from 1.5 to 2 million. million. Yeah. yeah, well, that's it, you know. Um, how much shall... did you sell your last house for? <laughs> Two, that, that, yeah, it's funny. That's exactly how much this one is. Yeah, <laughs> perfect. You know, Nate's sort of saying all the way up to far north Queensland, you know, spreads, spreading it out as well. And, you know, uh, Michelle was saying, you know, many small business owners, you know, plan to move because the restriction is just, it's difficult. Yeah, it's, it's tough. And, you know, you, you and I have talked about this, you know, a, a reasonable amount of times, you know, the idea that, um, you know, it's a kind of a, a tale of two stories or a, a story of two tales or whatever the saying is. Let's just crush every type of bloke who was saying that we possibly can. There's two things at once. I don't yeah, know how to catches the mouse. <laughs> but, you know, it's like on one hand it's, it's tough and it's hard for a certain set of people. And on the other hand, you know, there's, you know, you and I know people in business and in careers having the best years of their oh. commercial lives. So yep. this it's like these two polar opposites. It is. It's feast or famine, and yep. it's not. And it's not great, you know. In, and, and to be honest, it's not great either to think both of those are going to last forever. But you know, at the moment, this is where these kind of experiences are, which is which is um, which is not not so great. Yeah. And and probably leads perfectly into what we wanted to have the subject in about tonight, which is you know risk and life insurance. You know, is <clears throat> there's, there's never been such a more poignant moment in history to sort of understand planning risk and shit that's out of your control. Yeah. <laughs> it's like far out. Let's have let's have the world's you know the world's worst pandemic or the world's worst reaction to the pandemic, a pandemic of some description economically. Um, you know the impact worldwide has just been insane to say mm. the least. Um, you know. Maybe that's a good place for us to start and say, well, you know, where do we start with risk and life insurance and you know those sorts of things? I had a question the other day, which is why I got why I got you on the coffee chat. Um, you know, one of my uh, clients in the world of property borrowing money, saying, you know, I'm borrowing many millions. You know, what type of insurance should I have? You know, should I life insurance, TPD, whatever it is? Should I cover it all? Blah blah blah. But it's a big question, mm. you know, and um, maybe. Um, maybe we should sink our teeth into it for the for the rest of tonight, Andy. You know, yeah. um, as we go, because it's a good segue. So, if if you got questions, guys, whack them in the the chat because some way, uh, some way, somehow, we'll uh, we'll we'll start to answer them either while I'm going through uh, or uh, Charles Dickens. Thought, oh, there you go. I, I misread that. I thought <laughs> Shay went. It's a tale of two stories, dickhead. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my dyslexia. Plan. Tale of two cities. <laughs> Thank you, my love. You are always. Uh, you are always uh, there to uh, to catch my faux pas. <laughs> and um, I think you might be right, Sonia. I think I need to have another drink. It might loosen me up a little. But <laughs> it's kind of like playing pool. If you have a bit too much, you know, you, you don't play very well. Um, this, this, could, this could be a long night. Let's just <laughs> say that. Uh, so, yeah, keep, have the questions coming through. As, as much as you can because, A, it's great for me because it will give me more data on, on in regards of what you guys need. Uh, and it is a big topic. Like, it, it's actually huge. People don't like to address it because it's about death. So I'm just going to ask permission from everybody right now to be able to have a conversation and be quite lighthearted with it. Like, And so I'm not trying to push buttons, but even with my clients when I have these conversations, I like to try and take them to a, a comical kind of area. But we, it's it's a balance. you got to be sort of comical and but then serious 
Uh, and so I'll give you the, the, the tools that we use uh, to go through, you know, the questions of how much, what types, all of those sorts of things. But it's a massive topic. Oh, that's good. Well, we've got at least 20 minutes, Andy, to sort of sink our teeth into it. So we should get ourselves started. Do you need to share your screen? Just make sure you're connected over there. Well, I'm still trying to figure out exactly where I'm going to start it uh, as, as far as the conversation is concerned. Because yeah. I, and I, I think he, this is this part is going to be key. There's some mate. So oh, talk about bloody regulators and and teenage boys, right? There has been so much legislation that's been dropped in and around the financial advisory uh, circle since the the Royal Banking Inquiry, and it was all because you know there was some pretty uncouth stuff that was happening in and around yeah. the, the market, and a lot of it was allegedly the banks. There we go. <laughs> Lawyers have gotten into me, Jace, uh, allegedly. And um, so the problem is that this is playing out poorly for clients because it's increased the cost of advice exponentially. Yeah, yeah. And they just had the life insurance reform, which in my view was, was I, I believe, is a slight conspiracy theory, I believe, because interest rates were dropping and the insurance companies, they have to survive. They have to make money. But they have to have money on deposit so that they're liquid, so if they have large claims, to pay they can out. pay it out. Yeah. So as a result, interest rates dropping, <clears throat> the cost of insurance goes up, right? And so then they started attacking advisors and the advice world, and so they just the, the Life Insurance Act framework has now made it even more difficult to give advice. Oh. Uh, so you, so the tip here is is probably go out and start to get the advice sooner rather than later because the cost will probably go up before it goes down. Yeah. Uh, in order to get this stuff, but the other side is to be, you know, buyer beware because insurance ain't insurance. Uh, it's a lot of the group policies that you go out and you get with your industry super funds or or other types of group policies. So group superannuation schemes that default cover that you naturally get when yeah, you go in. Yeah, yeah. What actually happens is that your uh, your amount actually goes down over time. So you might pay a fixed premium, but your insurance level actually diminishes as you get older right so it's actually the reverse of how retail insurance in, in works. those in those industry policies a lot of them, yeah right okay so you might have five hundred thousand dollars today yeah, yeah, but when yeah. you turn 50 that drops to 170 yeah. or 120 and then when you get into the claim period of time uh, and perhaps that's where i'll start the conversation uh, when you get into the claim period of time which is the time of the highest risk you've got the least amount of money. So if you share the screen here, uh, I'll take you through what I'm talking about. So maybe we'll start off with the cost of insurance. And this literally straight out of presentations that I work with uh, with my clients. So what I use this as an illustration for is level premiums, uh, they're generally more expensive. So premiums are the cost of the policy, whether it be life insurance, whether it be income protection, whatever. Um, level premiums are pretty much what they say is you pay more initially but they will remain reasonably level over time unless there's major price adjustments but then you've got your other types of policies and I'll actually put on the one before or the one after or that one so stepped policies are what they say is that they go up over time and so what happens is they're going up in line with your risk profile so insurance companies are just actuaries they just look at all of the life statistics of mortality tables like what a great job to have yeah, yeah, what do yeah, you yeah. do i calculate when people are going to die so, so but how do you know which one's which is it 
is it very clear in the paperwork, like this one or this one, or Look, that's that's where you need someone who knows what they're doing? Nobody seems to know what they've got. Like yeah. in my experience, when you ask well, somebody that, what sort of policy yeah. have you got, they go, I think, Shit, I don't know. Yeah. I think I'm insured for, and, that, and this, that's the problem. I think I'm insured for a million. Yeah. But that's not the right response. Mm. The right response, and this will give you an idea as to where we're going to go, the right response is I know that if I pass away, my house is paid out and this, the kids have got money for the next 18 years uh, and if there's something medical that's going to happen, I've got about half a million dollars to renovate the house in order to compensate. That's the right response yeah, yeah. to the question, how much insurance have you got? Not a sum. Like the, the sum doesn't mean anything. doesn't mean anything. And, and this, like, like the right question gives you the best answer, right? Like this is this is the stuff that we learn in life. It's like you know the quality of your your life ends up being the quality of the questions you can ask yourself. You know, absolutely. You know, 100%. in this sort of space, yeah, 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 yeah. And and no more so in here. Yeah. But, and this is the other thing is that you, even though it's quite numerical, you've got to stay off the numbers and you've got to go to the reason why. Yeah. Why do you have it? Why do you want it? Because insurance is is purely just a game of there's a risk of me becoming long term sick, disabled. Uh, or dead, and right. and two out of three of the, well, three out of three of those you're not earning very well. You're not earning your earning capacity is diminished either significantly or completely uh, most of the time. Yeah, right? so it's a matter of going well. Those events that there, well, one of them happens to every single one of us. It's just yep. a matter of when does it when is it going to happen, uh, and we then need to start to go well. There's a probability of all of these things happening. How much? Am I willing to pay in order to financially take the risk away? Yeah. And that's all that it is. It's yeah. not any more complex than that. It's how much risk am I willing to, to, to wear and how much risk am I willing to pay to get rid of? And, and, I'm, and I'm sure there must, be some, there must be some zone. There must be some zone where it's kind of like that's too much and kind of there must be this zone where you go, well, if it's forty grand a year, well, maybe that's a bit that's a bit rich. I could do something else, and I could self-insure. Uh, and I'm thinking outside my head. Or if it's ten grand a year, or five grand a year, or three grand a year, well, fuck, that's that's a no-brainer. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yeah, and you don't know. You don't know as a, an individual without some someone with experience or someone to ask you some decent questions and kind of help you thrash it up. I reckon by the end of this conversation, we'll have back questions. Yeah. But it does get technical. Yeah. And so, as I said, insurance ain't insurance. And if you focus too much on price, then what will end up happening is you get a shit policy and you'll be you'll be fine until you're not. Yeah. Well, that's, <laughs> that's it. It's, it yeah, there's nothing wrong with it until there is. Like this, what I was, you know, with, with finance, you know, it's, yeah, cross securitization. There's no problems with it until they're no, 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 no worries. No, yeah, they're yeah. all they're all in the same. They're all yeah. together. No, no, no worries. Together. Yeah. I know so easy to get the loan. I'm a professional pack. I've got a I've got a manager who looks after my account. That's good. Oh, and my credit card links to my loan yeah. account. Links <laughs> to everything. So, uh, oh, it's great. Mate, so, we do we do have a question up there, and and um, uh, Kalash um, is asking about sort of income protection for business owners, and I'm sure. These questions will have some similar. Um, could that'd be more key man, maybe key man stuff, like because it, because it, oh. it is. And look, you, that question that you've asked in regards to business owners is one of the trickiest. Yeah, and so 
so if you're so you've asked that question, you're probably looking at it. One of the most important terms that a, a business owner needs to evaluate when getting income protection is you need to look at the ongoing in, ongoing income offset clause. Now, the reason why that's so important, and so we've almost stopped doing uh, income protection for a lot of clients who have successful businesses, which have ongoing income in their business. So the business can continue to pay them, yeah, because it's Correct. not worth it. Yep. Um, or, and or we key person policies the in the business yeah. so that if they die, pass away, sick, yeah. suffer a cancer event, then they're covered. Uh, and then that just puts some in the business to run it like they would. And the rationale behind many of these conversations is, a lot of the policies have ongoing income offset clauses, which basically says, Jace, yes, I'll, I'll insure you for $15,000 a month, no problem, right? But we're going to take out the distributions of your business. So if your business is still profitable and could be distributing to you, then we're going to offset that income that you're earning from your business. What? And so you might, out of that $15,000, you might get two grand to top it up, right? So because it'll be maximum of 75% of your pre-disability income. And they'll say, well, there's still, you know, a million dollars worth of profit in the business. So you've got your income from the business by paying the policy. Now, that's why you've really got to be careful with income protection policies in business. I've seen business owners have these policies and they're like, no, 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 Andy, I'm covered. And ask one question, does it have an ongoing income offset clause? Yeah. They go, a what? Yeah. It's like, okay, go and ask. And find out. Because they've changed it. You can't get agreed value policies anymore. Don't, if you don't know what it is, it doesn't matter because you can't get them anymore. <laughs> it's irrelevant. <laughs> it's irrelevant now. So you, you can't. But so whoever asked that question, find out whether they've got an ongoing income offset clause because uh, it's pretty important when it comes to, to business owners yeah. about insurance yeah. because it's a pretty bitter pill to swallow when it comes to time to claim. Uh, and all of a sudden they go, well, hang on, nah, that business is doing well, so no, no money for you. And you're, you're sitting there going, well, hang on, hang on, boss. I've, I've paid $50,000 worth of premiums over the last five or six years for, the, for this policy and, uh, and they're saying I can't get paid and they go, well, the business is good. Like, Hang on, that's not what I paid for. Oh, but it's here. That's not there. So like, that's a complex. We, we've dove in on the complex side of the equation, but the first thing that you need to know when it comes to insurance is you've got stepped or level premiums, right? So your, your cost of insurance is either going to go up as you get older, which is stepped, and the problem with that is it's like a hockey stick curve. It starts low and then it just skyrockets. It just it goes like a rocket in the end. I think it's actually going backwards in time. But um, and early, and more retrospectively, yeah. it really does. You, you can have those policies, those debt policies, if you plan to to self insure. Yeah. Now self insurance is a thing. Yeah. But I, I hear a lot of people go, "I'm self insured," <laughs> and it's gone. I said, "For how much?" Like, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> So step premiums will work if you've got a plan to, to self-endure and then as you get older, you decrease the level of cover as it becomes more expensive. So that's game one for me. Yeah. If you really want to get with it and you know absolutely that you're going to be able to bring down the risk and self-endure, then you can take that game. You and I both know is that most wealth games have a few knocks along the way and it yeah. doesn't always go linear point A to point B. So... Stepped premiums, if you need them for a long time, buy beware because they're going to skyrocket. And uh, and the next chart, this is actually uh, a real live uh, example just without the costings in there of, of one of a, a client that came to us with stepped premiums. And here's the thing is that at that point in time, it's the highest probability of claim. 
So with Steps Premiums, if you're going to own it for a long period of time, what ends up happening is as you start to get sick, and it, and it may be yeah. you've got life insurance, you you got you end up with cancer, and you know it's only a matter of time, and that policy is going by twenty percent every year, and you're fighting cancer, and you know that you're just kicking the can down the road. As I said, it's a horrible conversation, but it's a reality. You keep paying that, and it goes twenty thousand, then it goes thirty thousand, then it's forty thousand dollars a year, and it's like I can't continue to pay this, but you know you're not going to be around much longer. And that's a horrific position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. So, steps, premiums, if you know a definitive amount of time, it's a short-term game, then they can be incredibly good. They can be incredibly bad and torturous to have uh, if you're going to need the policy for a long term. Mm. So, step premiums, you've got to have a plan. If you don't know what the plan is, you're young enough, then uh, locking in the level can be a really good idea because ultimately, yes, you're going to pay more in the beginning, but that policy will not skyrocket. It will go up as the book reprice over time, but it shouldn't be that frequently. But you'll pay a pretty a pretty stable amount and it will go to the end of the policy. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Which means that it will always be affordable. So if you don't know whether you're going to be able to self-insure, you don't know whether you're going to be able or you don't have a strategy to, to insure because that a lot of people don't. So let me ask you this one about a level premium then. So um, can you... So, you and I talked about this. My my eldest is eighteen now, mm-hmm. and so we talked about Love all this right conversation. Yeah. yeah. So my um, you know, okay, I think Andy, my advisor, you know, I think it's a good idea that I can I can get him, I can start him on a level premium now uh, earlier, and uh, it will be a gift for me. To, um, but over time, you know, how does it change? How does he add things in? How do you pay the the bit more and add in from 100 to 500 to a million or whatever cover well how does that work so probably a good way to address that is to come back and go what types of policies are there yeah standard you've got income protection yeah hard to to set in stone from a young age because your income's going to go up yeah and you can only ever insure for about 75 percent of your pre-disability income so if you're earning 500 dollars a week then and you insure for that in 10 years time you're going to be earning more than that right yep. so income protection is tough to set for the kids when they're young but life and tpd yeah so life insurance is if you're ironically enough if you die it's a lump sum that pays out uh tpd is total and permanent disablement now tpd that's it's kind of the worst case scenario in so many ways but uh if you lock that in early again if you're totally and permanently disabled and you've got agreed uh, sorry you've got um own occupation and you've got any occupation. Any occupation basically means it's a full disability event. Yep. Two legs, two arms, go blind. Yep. Like it's a significant uh, event. But you've also got the own occupation, which means that you can't do what you do. Yep. Right? So if you're a brickie and something happens and you can no longer lay bricks yep. as a result of, you know, it could be something like that really bad carpal tunnel syndrome gongs you out, then potentially that TPD claim, own occupation will pay out. More mm. expensive and it's part in, part out of super. That, that's another lump sum. So you pay a premium, life and TPD, the lump sum pays out only in one hit, bang. Uh, you cut it. Then there's trauma or crisis insurance. And trauma and crisis insurance is probably the one that we all need but nobody gets. It's the least attractive, it holds the least amount of deductions, well, it has no deduction. 
right? If you claim a deduction for it, you'll pay capital gains tax on the return. Really? So no deductions. It can't be in super or it can be in super, but there's no release. But it's for, uh, it's for trauma and crisis conditions, things like heart attack, things like cancer, strokes, you know, the most common medical events. So you can add them later, though. You, you can, you can, can add them later. But yeah. Here's the key. You can get a life and TBD and you can get trauma and you can lock that in. Because a trauma event for us males, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Right? It's If there's five of us in the room, three of us will have a trauma event before the age of 65. Wow. And in my in my world, I use the example and, and how I think of it, which isn't how everybody thinks of it, and I've got to be careful here. Um, you've got to speak to your advisors about it. But the way that I think about it is the Jared Ruffhead story. And for those of you who don't know the Jared Ruffhead story, uh, if you've got questions, guys, pepper the chat as we're going through here. Um, the Jared Ruffhead story is, the, is a Hawthorne football player, stage three melanoma, I think it was, on his lip. Now, the odds on him actually recovering from that at that point in time were less than 20%, 20%. Then it metastasized, got into different parts of his body. The, the odds went down to about 15%. Now, I don't know exactly what happened, but they flew him out overseas to get the best treatment in the world. He came back, went into remission, won the grand final with Hawthorne as their captain the next year. True story. And so the way that I look at it is that if you have a trauma event, which is a, it's almost a probability, right, that you're going to have it. Uh, if I get a cancer, I literally want to be able to go, and I've got kids, I want to go wherever I need to go in the world to get rid of whatever is inside me. Yeah. I'm doing it and I'm doing it today and I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. And so, and so the lengths of that, you could go to a million dollars because you would be able to go to Europe and get the best treatment. It might be you know, $100,000 so you can take time off work and get the best treatment in, a, in, you know, in Melbourne or Australia and, and, or at least fun part of that. So the beauty about that for kids it's harder for them to tangibly pay, and it's usually the parents who, who pay for it. But if you can lock that in when your kid's like 18, because then they have a policy that they can afford for life, which is more probable that they will get a payout from than any other policy, and it's the most likely to help them. Yeah, that, that makes sense. A few of you guys have, uh, have said a little bit blurry here. Yeah, unfortunately, when it rains in the Gold Coast, go figure that the internet gets rubbish. I don't know what's going on here. It's meant to be okay, but uh, folks, sorry about that. I can see here on the network connection, connectivity, I've got a four out of 10. So it is rubbish at our end. We're sorry about that. Hopefully you guys can stick with us. But um, um, if it uh, if it absolutely craps itself, we might circle around and have another shot at it, Andy. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's good info, that's for sure. So hopefully it gets a little bit better, folks. It does. Chop and change, unfortunately, but um, it could be my kids down there in the in the house um, downloading things on Minecraft. You never know. Um, um, no one is on the internet in the house either. I I, I don't think that's the truth, Jay. Are you, are you, are you covering up? On, are you covering up for the kids, my love? <laughs> anyway, let's keep it rolling. So. so- I reckon it's a great tip. I reckon everyone should chat with their advisors about yeah. their kids because yeah. if you can afford to do it and you can get those policies for them early, it can save it can save lives. You know, yeah. And, and it is the most it is the most expensive policy, uh, but it is the highest probability well, that you'll claim. On. Well, let me ask you this one, and and it's probably it, it lands close to home right now for me. Um, you know, my my dad's not so well. 
and and you know I take care of my family and and, and my parents um, live with us in our Witten compound here um, and um, you know we got plenty of room and got a second house and everything and it's all comfortable but you know we have to pay for it you know like that it comes out of my dollars and cents and thankfully you know I've got a couple of bucks um, to be able to do that you know let's say that you know something happens you know just because your kids turn 18, 19 or 20 or 30 doesn't mean you stop caring as a parent. Let's say you had one of your children have some, you know, event. You know, often your parents end up looking after their children as 100%. well in that case. You know, again, not only looking after your own kids but also, you know, potentially, you know, you know, you don't want to think about it but, you know, being able to fund the capacity if something happened to your own children in a way, you know, that that uh, you weren't able to take care of yourself, yeah. you know, yeah. And it, doing it in this fashion is potentially an extraordinarily cheap way of doing it. So, mate, how much is it? You might know this. So you, let's see if you do. But for you at home, <laughs> I want, what I want you to do is I want you to write down, so grab a, a pen and a bit of paper, and, uh, and if you don't, I want you just to visually think about it. Or you can put it in the chat, actually. Let's see if we can light up the chat, all right? Uh, so what I'd love for you to be able to tell me is, uh, so firstly, I just want you to answer a yes or no, uh, is your car insured? So pop it into the chat if, uh, if it's a yes or a no. Give yeah, it short answers, Andy. Give it short answers. Yes, yes or no. Right? And the next one is uh, how much excess on your car? And if you don't know, so don't know. Uh, and let's just start. Just put DN, yeah. don't know. DN, don't know. Uh, you don't have to put the dollar signs in there. But because uh, this... This, if it works, if we get enough people participating, you're going to start to see what's happening. So, yes, yes, yes. No, we've got in the Nate. Uh, don't shoot, insure the car. Hopefully, you've got third party, mate. We don't want to hit a roll voice like uh, Tom Cruise out of, uh, not Tom Cruise, what's just the little bloke's name out of Back to the Future? Oh, doesn't matter. J Fox, yes, ruined his life in Back to the Future number two. About 600 ish. All right, so here's the thing is you all know know your excess of your cars right then you all know how much you're actually paying for uh, if there's a problem if there is a an accident right most of us could know what those, those figures are but the, the fact is you've issued the car and the probability of you having a crash is is slightly higher than what it is of having one of these medical events but here's the thing the car's only worth 50 60 hundred thousand dollars maybe it's a two hundred thousand dollar car or something like that how much do you reckon a person's worth Ooh, when you put it in that way andy yeah, well, that's that's it, you know, and also millions. Millions. So when you can get your kids in young, you can actually get insurance for around about the same cover of what a car insurance policy would cost you if you get them in earlier. And here's the other yeah, thing. Give it some dollar terms. Like, I know you can't give a quote or anything. This is not a quote, gang, but are we talking a no. grand? Are we talking a grand for the year? Are we talking, what no, are we talking? I can, give you, I can give you a scenario that we Give a scenario, get, yeah. Uh, with ballpark numbers. Close to $2 million worth of life in TPD, a $5,000 trauma policy, and it was less than 1500 bucks a year. That's amazing. And a lot of it was paid for via, uh, via super. Yeah. Uh, and half a million, a lot of right? Yeah. The average, average. Yeah. average yeah. But they, and they just, they didn't, I didn't suggest that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They, they just said, nah, it makes absolute total sense. Bang it in for that. Yeah. Because I think the, the amount was, and don't quote me because I can't quite remember it, but it might have been $300 a year, $400 a year for the trauma. Yeah. So you'd pay that every single every day, day of the week. week. 
right? Yeah. Because, and here's the other reason, the earlier in life that you get insurance, the less probable of an event has happened that, that will do out of uh, the insurance policy. So if you end up like me with a baggage, if I went back to get an income protection or a TPD claim, yeah. they'd say shoulder exclusion. Yeah. So anything happens yeah. with the shoulder, you can't yeah. get it. So the younger that you get your policy, medical events have happened to you as well. So the more likely you will be to be able to get a clean skin policy at, at what we call clean skin rates. Because if you have some things with the ticker or a bit of uh, cholesterol yeah. or blood pressure, yeah. Yeah. then you can get loadings on the policy as yeah. well. Yeah. So the earlier that you do it, the better. And if you've got a million bucks and then you need two, you just get another policy. Yeah. So you can top that up later on. You just get different policies and then you've got a cheap policy yeah. which is for the bulk of it and you you can tack on more expensive cover and then when you you pay it down or sorry then when you don't need as much you just get rid of the more expensive cover if that makes sense makes sense so the earlier you do it the better that's um, brilliant uh, but the thing is most of us are kind of sitting there going well that's good andrew but i'm not 18 right <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah it's like okay yeah. well most of us uh, like, like you know, you and me in the room here. You know. yeah. It's like, yeah, mate, thanks for that, but I'm 50 and it sounds like I'm fucked <laughs> by the sounds of it. All right, well, well, I mean, you know, maybe for the last, you know, five or ten minutes, let's talk around that sort of space. What, what are the sort of the, the key takeaways? Because really at the end of the day, what, what I'm hearing, which is brilliant, you know, the earlier, the earlier you can, the better. There's a difference between the step and the, the level. Um, you know, talk with your advisor about what's appropriate and what you need. It's about those questions. Yep. Um, but what but what about someone who's a bit older, someone who's never sort of taken it that seriously? Or, you know, someone like me, like Shay and I are only um, insured ourselves and, and stuff, you know, three or four years ago, 45 or something, because we were self-insuring through our business values and our ongoing income streams and our property investments and stuff like that. We were like, you know what? And then somebody came along and rattled, rattled the cage a little bit. <laughs> and, they were like, and they were like, well, maybe. And I'm like, no, no, talk to me more. I'm like, oh, all right then. Okay. You know you know what? Whenever a business owner comes in who, who have balked at insurance cover, and yeah. almost I'd say 90% of the people that I work with have it because if you're not interested in protecting yourself, I'm not interested in working for you because yeah. I'm the person who's going to clean up the mess afterwards. That's what happens, yeah. And, and I'm just... I, I just I can't do it. So I prefer to go hard early and kind of go, Will's powers of attorney, it's an absolute you must have them or you must agree to get them if yeah. you're going to be with me. But um, uh, but I think the, the cut, the, look, well, let's take a step back. The amount of cover, the, the questions that, that I'd ask in and around that and, and we talked about on the coffee chat was what would I want life to look like if X, so life event, TPD event, yeah. long-term sickness, cancer, yeah. whatever the case, happened yesterday. Yeah. What would I want life to look like for whoever's remaining? Yeah. And you pretty quickly start to, to understand because the, the answers to this is not dollars. Yeah. The answer to this is a quality of life. I, and I, want, yeah. want, I want the house for my family because yeah. I need them to be secure. I want the kids to continue in private school till year 12. Yeah. Uh, and we had a plan for the family to, to do X, Y, and Z, and I want that to happen. Those are my non-negotiables, Andy. Those are my non-negotiables in life. Yeah. And it's like, then that's easy. It's like, okay, well, there's a multiple of, of income and we put a little bit of a calculation and say, well, how much money do we need to invest? An average of 5%. That'll give the kids school fees for the next 18 years. Bang, that's one. Yeah. But then 
as when whenever I speak to somebody who's had it done right, when I say how much are you covered for, they go, uh, I'm covered so that my family will have the house, the kids will be able to go to school, yep. and if something happens medically, we'll be able to renovate the house. Take, take care of things. That's the right response, and that should give you all the right pattern to think about. And so back to what we were talking about before, whenever a business owner who has minimised the insurance initially comes in yeah. and says, Andy, uh, can, we, can we have a chat about that life <laughs> insurance again? I go, what's gone wrong with the business? Yeah, yeah. Because we're, we're in, you know what it's like. When business is good Mate. as a business owner, you are invincible. You feel bulletproof. Your shit doesn't stink. <laughs> like, no, no, I don't need any of that yeah, stuff. good, mate. Look at the profits. I'm and, killing it. And then something happens on a work site. There might be an incident and yeah. then so, there's somebody outside rattling the cage like that. You start looking like, around. Oh. You're going, ooh, this is a bit, this, yeah. this is a bit nasty. Let's, uh, or you're out running. And, and this happened to me just recently, you know, uh, you, you're, you're out exercising and all of a sudden it's like, poof, poof. It's like, hang on, that's that's a bit. Yeah, what's going on there? That's a bit nasty. Yeah. And here's the thing, you're fucked. Yeah, yeah, yeah too because late then. When, when you feel that, yeah. the, and the beauty about it is it perpetuates itself because I felt and I went, I know I'm covered. Yeah. Right? And so I never went to that. Yeah. But I can imagine if I had kids and a big mortgage and and – uh, and I've already got a lot of mouths to feed, but if, if I wasn't covered, I reckon when that thing went a little bit haywire, I'm yeah. fine, by the way. I'm totally fine. It was, some fine. Sort of a, it was some sort of a virus. Thanks for the chat that didn't light up. Uh, <laughs> all of you. No, that was last week, em- the week em- before, Andy. Empathetic <laughs> human beings out there. <laughs> Andy's, Andy's having a tough time, though. <laughs> but I, I, I remember when it happened, I was like, thank God. Like, literally one of the first things I thought of is I don't need to worry about that. That's yeah. taken care of. And and it wasn't I'm covered for this much amount. It's I'm covered so that these things will happen and I'm safe. Um, Alison uh, asked a question. Uh, you know, uh, climbing for me is covered in our policy, Alison, so we had to pay a bit more because I uh, I engage in dangerous activities. Um but um, so, <laughs> what's classified as dangerous? I reckon, fucking, uh, you know, uh, what is it called? Crime writing is going to be a high risk. Activity. So they keep loading up these these ideas of what's high risk. It's incredible, and that's the other reason to get it done. Yeah, before you start jumping out of planes, yeah. get it before it's get done. It before it's early. But one of the other things which which um, which where um, which we've done and we've talked about with my business partner is some insurance that is paid for by the business. Oh, this is to a really then, topic. Then pay out some shares for someone else yeah. and, and and pay for the purchase, you know, because the business might be in trouble. The business may not have the money to pay out the other partner. It um, never does. Yeah, it, it never, never does, does. You know, and so my shares are worth something, but oh. right now I don't have the cash and the family's struggling. The the, the business partner who's left behind is like, oh, I feel really bad but fuck you know there's five bucks in the bank you know yeah yeah and there's there's a reason why that they say in the business world that the only type of partnership is a sinking ship uh <laughs> because seriously there's just so many things that are outside of you it's, it's hard enough to get along with people yeah you're related to yeah. <laughs> or you choose to marry uh, or 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 both you know and then, but business goes through all of those emotions, yeah. And so you got a gel, and you, you, you and Sammy, good. But I'm sure you've had your 
Hey, you know, twenty years. Part. It's it's been up and down, around around. And it yeah. would have been it would have been hairy. I've got some, you know, a number of clients who were good friends when they started business can't stand each other now. Yeah, yeah. Like literally hate each other. Work extraordinarily well in business, and this isn't just one. This is yeah. multiple. Yeah, business has destroyed their relationship. Yeah. Uh, but not the working relationship. Absolute professionals in in all of them. But the problem is, and this is the this is what happens is. Business owners, oh, we always look at our business going, it's our super. It's not, it's not our fucking it's not super. Our fucking super. It's not your super. We've told you guys super. this. <laughs> it's not your super. You want the statistics? If you want the statistics right hard right now, um, the statistics are if you want a business that's over $10 million, you've got 0.2% of actually getting there. They're, those are the statistics. 0.2 of a percent. 0.2 of a percent. Yeah. Those are the statistics. If you want the $10 million business, so for those of you who are above $10 million, the chances of you getting from a startup to that point in time is 0.2%. So if you are there, kudos to you. For those of you who aren't there, you can be that 0.2%. I'm not saying you're not. I'm just saying work with the odds, right? Like that is the reality. That's the reality for all of us, right? And that, and that's that's what happens. Don't, don't want to be the naysayer because we know a lot of people who have gotten there and we're pretty privileged actually from that perspective. Mate, so. we are. We, we, we do... Uh, we are in a network of business owners who actually want to be good business owners and better and greater business owners, you know, and, and work on that hard. So we're pretty privileged to that, I think. And, yeah. um, but, you know, our professional experiences have seen train wreck after train wreck after train wreck, you know, uh, in this is, space, you know. It is great. One of the most crushing things that I've seen is people coming, coming, going, oh, you're a small to medium business expert. Yes, yes. Yes, we are. Oh, we're good at it. Like I don't say we're experts, but I say, you know, that's our niche. That's what we love to play at. And um, and they go, so this has happened. And I, and I can hear it in their voice. Mm. As soon as they start speaking, oh, if I can, it's just terrible. I've heard too many of them. Uh, and it, and I just know because yeah. I can hear it. I can yeah. hear the voice crack. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck, I know what's about to come out. Uber's come into your industry and that's it. Something's game over. You're on the pension for the rest yeah. of your life. And if you've got a mortgage, you're cactus. Yeah. You know, and it's and it's a heartbreaking story. For business owners, it ain't your, your business ain't your super. Right. Statistically, they're bad odds to play. Go and take a million bucks and put it on black yeah. at the casino. You've got a better odd on that coming up than it is your business being your super. Fair income. Yeah. It's a little bit emotional then. But yeah. um, <clears throat> so where would we get on track? Oh, business partners, sinking ships. So you've got to get past the marriage. Yeah. Uh, you've got to get past all of the arguments. But then you've got twice the chances of something happening to, to you. If we're, if we're in business together yeah. and we're in the same business, you're a director, I'm a director, you're 50%, I'm 50%, and I start to have a heart murmur, and I, then you should be shitting yourself. Mm. You should be getting very, very close to Mag's. Right and, <laughs> and understanding what she would be like to work with. Mags a good Mags, Mags are a good chick. <laughs> Come on. Well, you would need her to be, but you have seen her in the business environment, mate. She is a ball breaker. <laughs> but you can't have two chairpersons. You know no, what I mean? No. <laughs> and the reason why I say that is that your business partner becomes Magda. Yeah. Your yeah. business partner becomes my partner's partners. Yeah. And the, the their expectation for business pass, um, it's in my view, it's key. You've got to have it. And when I have this conversation, nine times out of ten, uh, it, it goes like this: Chase, we're in business together, and they usually have a business partner sitting with each other. All right. Yesterday, you weren't here anymore. Mm-hmm. What happens? What happens? Yeah. And 
as they are, will, will, you know, will continue. Uh, and you will do all of the heavy lifting in the business and be, okay, so uh, who's going to do your job in the business? Well, we'll hire. Yeah. We'll hire them. Okay, so how much you pay them? Uh, and nine times out of ten, it's more than what you're getting paid. Mate, what happens? Yeah, exactly. And, and they go, well, hang on. So, and then I say, so how are you going to find the extra twenty or $30,000 to pay somebody what you'd really pay them to do the work that you're yeah. doing? Yeah. And what do you reckon they're going to do? 80% of the job you at best. Right, they're probably going to do your job 50% as good as you. And then I go, okay, cool. So now the business is okay. Um, what's the expectation of the family? What? Was, what? Like, well, hang on. You're earning, taking home from the business 200 grand a year to, to feed everybody over there. Yeah. 200K was pretty much ballpark what you were, what you were taking home. Um, so how are you going to earn 200K out to the family who is doing no work in business? For life, it's not going to happen. This is where it breaks down. Right? You oh, and I, well, if you're not going to pay them, okay, we'll just pay them out. So, vendor finance or something. How much is it worth? Oh, we imagine it'd be worth. Well, let's just do five times income, right? Five times income is worth a million bucks. Where are you going to get a million bucks from? Your house is mortgaged to the hill. Yeah, and like, it's not going to happen. I, I don't know what the fucking answer is. Yeah. And the answer is keep keep in policy life TP. Yeah, and we go, and again, Russell Collins taught me this, and I'm probably just slaughter his beautiful phrase, but it's better to have the wrong amount for the right reason, yeah, than no amount for for the wrong reason. Mm-hmm. So it's better to agree on a value for the business and just go, the business is worth a million bucks. There it is. Yeah. Insure it for a million bucks, and if it's worth two, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. The family's paid out. The policy paid out. So what the policy does is the policy buys the shares in the business. So it literally buys you out and pays out. That, that's it. Yeah. And I mean, we had this chat um, with my business partner and our kids, and we just said, "Listen, guys, like something happened to us. Like the the shares are going to be sold, and you're going to get some money. We're not like you. But you're not going to enter the business. Like that's that's not going to happen because." For us, that that wasn't that that's not a good idea. So you know, it's I don't want that for Sam. I don't want that for my business partner. You know, do you know what I mean? Like, no way would I want a psycho family like how just bearing down on him. You know, it's just like insane. Did so, you just call your family psycho? Shay is going to be lighting up on this in a moment. But here's the thing: so the psychology of all of this, and this is one of the most important reasons why you need. A total uh, an estate and family protection plan. Well, not, not anything else, but because what happens when a partner passes away? Yeah. What happens here? Mate, this stress. stress. I mean, yeah. cortisol. Yeah. What happens when cortisol pumps through the Mate, system? Very bad decision making. Emotionally, yeah. the gone. mammalian brain shuts down. Gone. The neocortex shuts down. You become emotionally inept and you become stupid. And that's why people in estates, in estate, hear all these estate battles and you're like, I don't know what happened. They were all fine. And then they got emotional, got stressed, got stupid and emotionally inept and they're trying to make financial decisions. The lawyers are sitting there going, <laughs> yeah, but the lawyers are the only ones who make money out of those sorts of jobs. Uh, but we're incapable. So a good plan looks like not just I have insurance and I have uh, a will, 
a good plan actually is like a standard operating procedure that says this is how it. And a good plan is in advance. Yes. Right. Like this is the thing. You know, like thinking this stuff through. So you're like, okay, what what if something happens to me? If there's some money, um, you know, uh, powers of attorneys, wills. Uh, so insurances, power of attorney, wills, um, business. Um, protection insurance, key man, like so, key man, key woman, buyer. key person, buyer. Yep. So there's a number of things that you know. I think uh, you know, it, and and there's so important things. And and you know, the question comes: Well, how do I pay for them? How do I pay for this stuff? Well, that's where a good advisor comes in and goes. Well, the super can pay for one bit, but you might have to pay for that bit yourself. But the business could pay for this bit. Yep. You know. And, and put that strategy, I think it's so vital and so important. Um, again, I think we've actually uncooked it <laughs> with, with time and stuff for tonight on, on wisdom, Eddie, like like because it's such an, you know, he, a big topic. You know? I guess to, to round it off is everyone always says that there's not enough, but there's never been a person who I've taken, taken dough off the plate to do things the right way. Yeah. And what I mean by that is money, I always say money is like a gas, right? It expands to fill the room that it's given, right? Money, that, that, is, that is how people do money. You, you make more, you spend more. Yeah. That's just it happens, it happens in advance too. Like, oh, <laughs> like, I'm getting a dividend or I'm getting a pay rise and then all of a sudden, you know, the money's been, you haven't even got it yet. Like, I've had a few of those conversations recently. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, let's just slow down. Let's slow earn down. it first. Slow down. Let's, let's get it in the bank. Just for a couple of minutes. Just let me look at it. Like, uh, let me marvel in it. But, uh, so, but every time we take some money, and this happens in all walks of life, businesses especially, right? You go, well, businesses just run and they spend money all the time. They go, well, let's prepay tax. Well, I don't have the money. Well, if you don't have the money, you're screwed. Yeah. It, it's, that's just true. It, it may not be year, may not be next year. If you run it, the business, it'll that, be the third or the fourth year. Something's going to just come and hit you. You and I have seen this so many times. You're two, three, four years behind in your taxes. Like the boogeyman's chasing you. It's coming. Like it's behind you. And people start deluding themselves into yeah. believing that it's going to change. Yeah. But you take, and, and here's the thing, if you take money off the table and strategically put it for taxes, for future expenses, for protection, you take it off the table, then you automatically adjust and live or operate the business with what's left because that money is still the gas. Yeah. Don't worry, you'll still find ways yeah. to make energy disappear, <laughs> but there's less of it that's going to disappear and the other stuff is taken off the table. Yeah. And when I've, I've never had anybody who, when you do that, their life falls apart, nah. and it's the same thing with savings. Because all of a sudden you're like, "Oh, we don't have any spare cash flow." And you're like, "Oh, so what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to buy a house, a principal place of residence." Yeah. Hey, you know, like, where, how are you going to afford that? We'll just make it work. No. And it goes. It's a matter of where your priorities. But I mean, you and I have talked about this before. Like you know, the idea, like uh, Cowitz wrote that book, "Profit First as for Business." owners that's brilliant if you read that book grab grab that book gang profit first there is a there is a none that's going to be coming out uh that will will blow it away, blow it away. uh we'll it's, let you know it might be written by us too <laughs> yes it's coming gang it's coming oh you just said that line <laughs> now so, oh, that's it we're gonna to have to make sure that we we'll have to do the book but um it's the idea you did right 
of money, pay yourself first, look after yourself first, invest in yourself first, whatever version of first needs to be, hmm. insurances, this, that, now that you're super, this, like, you and I talk about this all the time, take it off the table first. Don't let it land in your bank account or your lap because you fucking spend it. You're, you're, you're little and little. And we all do it. And that's why all the direct debits, you know, yeah. here's a nugget for you, which um, uh, I don't know if you remembered on, you know, clients, which is hopefully not too many of you listening, but this is a real hack, right? Whenever your pay goes in, and even as a business owner, your pay should go in some at some point in time. Have all of the direct debits for all of your savings and everything, your, you know, your, your mortgage and all that stuff, have all that go out literally the day after the money hits because it gives you less time to delude yourself into thinking that there's more money in there. <laughs> I'm killing it. Because <laughs> psychologically, you just spend it. You look at it and it's gone. Gone. Well, mate, um, we've had a good chat tonight. Um, it's been about um, you know, an hour and, hour and, hour and, hour and uh, 20 minutes uh, in. And unfortunately, the old internet connection tonight has uh, defeated us. We couldn't change that one. Um, so I hope, uh, I hope it doesn't mean too bad, but uh, we will certainly continue this topic, I think. It's a good topic. And We've got the questions. We have seen yeah. them uh, pop through. We know that there's uh, problems with the internet. So we will, uh, we will, and we will do either wealth coffee chats. We'll, we'll tag you in the wealth coffee chats if they're going on, uh, just so that we make sure to deliver on the promise of answering the questions as they come through. But also let us know because it's a massive topic and it's one that nobody talks about because it's not fun, uh, and but it is important. So you know, some you know, they always say that uh, don't about uh, religion, wealth, and politics, sex, politics, and, sex. and Jason. And money. <laughs> we're talking about, and money. That's all we talk about. That's what we talk about. <laughs> that's absolutely. I reckon we should talk about all of them all the time. All the time. And we talk about one sometimes. <laughs> uh, there you go. Uh, so well, we will get to the questions. Yeah. 100%. Absolutely. Well, thanks, gang. Uh, we might leave it there. The internet's um, um, defeated us tonight. But uh, we will be back uh, uh, during the week. Monday, Friday, Wealth Coffee Chats. Again, Friday next week, Wealth, Wine and Wisdom. We shall do it again and uh, we'll answer your questions. Anything that you want, chuck it in the chat. Always good to hang out with you guys. It's been awesome to hang out. Right. How good uh, been? actual <laughs> physicality. <laughs> I think we should do this more often and um, we, should, we should make sure we make a habit of it. So uh, thanks, everyone. Good to see you guys. Um, cheers. Cheers. And it's good night for me. And it's good night for him. Good night. Good night. Good night.